Welcome to Late Night Talks with Amy Jo, a place where you're going to find inspiration, wisdom, and healing. A podcast for men. Hello there, gentlemen. Welcome to Late Night Talks with Amy Jo. Good evening, guys, or good morning, good afternoon depending on where you're tuning in from. How are all you guys? I hope that you've had a wonderful week and a wonderful weekend. I hope you got out and had a little playtime. <laughs> and I think it's important that we have fun in life and just get out in nature and live every day to the best of our ability because you just never know when that last day will be so many people take that for granted so i have a question for you to consider today before we get started and this is a question that you can ponder on throughout the week on your own what is the greatest thing that you can do with life what is the greatest thing you can do with life and just consider that think about it ponder on it what does that imply for you I'm going to do the same thing what is the greatest thing that you can do with life I have a great movie suggestion as well I watched a movie this week called I origins how I missed this movie I don't know but it is from 2014 so it is a little older but I highly recommend you watch that because it is so good (laughs) I think I really related to that movie because I've had that experience to that extent before where you can look into someone's eyes and know that they are there for a greater purpose and a bigger purpose and they're very rare that you come across those connections and those type of connections are very deep and you know it's something where you feel always connected regardless of where you are in the world it's so strange but you know maybe some of you also have had a type of experience like that and if you have and you want to share your experience I'd love to hear it but it's just you know the the eyes speak a totally different language on their own you know you can see beyond the human form of an individual of certain people it is You know, they do say the eyes are the windows to the soul. And yeah, it's just really cool. The universe is amazing and we all are universes. Like I feel like we have a whole universe within our body. If you really think about what's happening inside of our body. It's crazy, right? Like we're floating around right now in 
space. <laughs> it's just crazy. All right, I'm just going to get on with the show. Sorry. But go check out the movie, I Origins. So I have a question that I figured I'd address on tonight's episode. It's an individual that has realized that he's in a codependent relationship with a narcissistic partner. And now that he's realized that he's been codependent in the majority of his relationships, he's seeking guidance on how to break away from this pattern. And I thought that it would be a great way to share because I think a lot of people can relate to this. And I'm gladly going to answer it because I too have been codependent and over 90% of the American population, according to army.mil, exhibits codependent behavior. As a result, it is exceedingly frequent. And there's no shame in this. Tonight, I'm going to cover what codependency is, how narcissistic and codependent people are alike, symptoms you might be codependent in a relationship, there's phases of codependency, confronting your partner, and how to stop living for other people's approval. So this is what we are going to cover tonight. My dear ones, are you ready? (laughs) Let's go. Okay. So I can't even believe that I'm going to say this right now. But for me, I've never been in a non-codependent relationship. I've had no idea that I was codependent. I felt like I was loving people. And it was typically people that acted narcissistically not saying they're narcissists at the very least they possessed some of those characteristics because remember that narcissism is a real personality disorder so we really got to be careful on how we describe or label people as such so what this is one of the most difficult bonds to sever from But the strange and tragic thing is that they are polar opposites who want the same thing. Mind you, this is the past. I've been alone for five years, so I know that the next relationship will not at all be what my past relationships were because I've healed And I'm aware of so much more now. But many people believe that codependency is more prevalent in women than it is in men. But honestly, that's not the case. Research actually shows that it has more to do with personality than with gender. Codependency is, first and foremost, a sort of selflessness. And this occurs when people go to like considerable efforts to put others' needs and wants ahead of their own. It's always about them. It's always about the other person. So they're, they're prone to prioritizing the needs of others over their own. This is referred to as love or relationship addiction. And... It's a love that has 
the potential to destroy your relationship, but also your own identity. It's a relationship that is usually one-sided. They become, meaning the codependent person, becomes so preoccupied with the partner's wants, needs, or demands that they develop an identity based on serving others. And they hold the belief that the relationship is more essential. So in order to feel loved, they need gratitude. They seek validation from a partner. Now the phrase codependent evolved from the term co-addict. These people become ill as a result of their twisted, uncontrolled, out-of-balance thinking, feelings, and behavior. And this isn't a mental disorder or a personality disorder. It's a distinct psychological construct with considerable parallels with other personality disorders, such as depression, PTSD, obsessive compulsive disorder, and it can also co-occur with borderline and narcissistic personality disorder. Codependency was originally used to characterize people who were chemically dependent, right? Alcoholics or drug addicts. But it has since come to mean any codependent person who comes from a dysfunctional household. Codependency is an ingrained behavior that can be altered. And this is frequently the result of a dysfunctional family system. This is what we often talk about. This begins in childhood. Overprotective or underprotective parents, as well as those who were emotionally unavailable, absent, or abusive, resulted in insecure children who had low self-worth, low self-esteem, and little to no confidence in themselves. Now let's talk about the narcissist and how these two characteristics are related. A narcissist is very self-centered, right? Rather than unselfish, the self-importance is extremely exaggerated. And if you want to learn more about narcissism, I did a podcast about this a while ago, all about narcissistic personality disorder. So narcissistic people require supply. They are frequently known to be the energy vampires because they feed off of others. They feed off of others' energy because they require a steady stream of praise to maintain their self-esteem and everything revolves around them. They look for other people who have very low self-esteem and that's who they prey on. The majority of narcissists aspire to be masters. They are aggressive and often driven by power. Whereas the codependent acts as the accommodator 
being more submissive and driven by the need to retain love and connection. So one person takes the lead while the other follows. It's incredibly unbalanced, this type of dynamic. The two, the codependent and the narcissist, are very much the same. Unfortunately, they both lack a sense of self. So they're trying to figure out who they really are. As a result, both of these parties rely on others to discover and define their identities. And they place high value on what others think of them. In the end, they all just want to be loved. And they have the same desires. They simply just depict different behaviors in order to achieve the same goal. You know, this is just another example of how desperate the world is. How so many people lack love because they're looking for it outside of themselves. And I was one of those people, so I'm not here to judge anybody. But it's hard to admit that. Now, I do want to point out that codependent relationships aren't just limited to narcissists. When it comes to codependency, there's numerous dynamics to consider. You know, there's the addiction, abuse, and other people's approval are the three types of codependency. But today, I'm just talking about the people's acceptance and validation in partnerships. So what's going on in the brain during all of this with the codependent person? When we are engaging in codependent behavior, according to Joseph and Sharon Cruz, pleasure or release centers are activated. So the brain pathways become lit up, right? I'm sure I've mentioned brain circuits before. We've talked about the neuropathways, but when we get a hit of dopamine, the brain wants us to make more of it, right? The brain is adamant about not going into withdrawal. So it wants you to keep taking part in that behavior. If you become aware of these actions that you're being triggered and you become aware of what's taking place, you have the opportunity to adapt and establish new pathways. It's part of rewiring the brain, reinforcing those new habits, but that has to be up to us to do. It's very difficult and hard to break free from, but if there's anything that's causing you grief in your life, this is critical that you change it, that you change this habit. So look, let's look at some of the signs of codependency some of the symptoms. These are the caregivers, the rescuers, and the enablers. One big indication is when the love is rooted in low self-esteem and insecurity. You'll know that that's codependency. When you need that person to validate you, to feel loved, otherwise you feel nothing without them, that's codependency. You'll strive to help problematic, addicted, under-functioning people on a regular basis. Even if they're harming you, you stay in the relationship. 
you may have a hard time making decisions. In order to keep the peace, you go above and beyond to keep that partner happy. There may be anger that persists, fear of abandonment. There's no faith in others. Having a hard time recognizing emotions, preferring the approval of others over one's own worth. The ideas and the sentiments of others around you can influence your mood. Codependents have three stages, and I know this well because it, it does, it, it happens like this. First, when you find a partner, you're looking for that person to rebuild your self-esteem and to fill that void in your life, that emptiness. You find them and you're wanting them to fill it. And you like will often overgive, right? Overpleasing them. You'll continue to play the role of unconditional love and security so much that it becomes a habit regardless of what's taking place. Stage two is when you begin to isolate yourself from friends and family. You'll ignore any kind of red flags or troubling behavior or habits. There'll be a lot of anxiety, self-blame, and guilt that are very common feelings within this type of relationship. So as the love-addicted person is unable to change his or her partner, because we often will try and do that, resentment, anger, and disappointment deepen. Stage three is when OCD develops, usually obsessive-compulsive disorder. You'll begin to have insomnia, stomach problems, headaches, eating disorders, all these symptoms that have a very negative impact on your physical health. So they're the stages of what takes place in the relationship. It's in the beginning, you're just looking for the validation and the second stage, you're kind of in the mud of it. You're feeling all the, the yuckiness of the relationship and ignoring the red flags. And at the end, that's when you are physically sick and you become obsessed almost. So let's talk about how to go about confronting. So before confronting your partner with your feelings, these are some things that should be considered. What are your motivations for doing this? What are your hopes for doing this? What do you want to achieve by confronting your partner? Do you have a system in place to help you? Can you live with the worst case scenario situation? What are you still looking for or requiring from them? Is it possible for you to live without it or 
having no communication with them? Are you really ready to deal with the resentment and blame? And what if you don't get a response? Or what if you don't get the response that you want? How can you start to believe in your own feelings and perceptions, in your own intuition? It's important to get to know your intuition and how to use that as a secure source of guidance. Now, once you go through that process and really asking yourself these questions, you want to learn how to start detaching yourself from these toxic situations. And I'm not going to lie, like it's a significant amount of change is required. You have to be very strong. But the number one thing, for me at least, the number one thing is what I started with, was to start setting boundaries set limits. This will assist you in identifying what you will and will not be responsible for, what you will or will not allow in your life. It's an important part of self-care. And if you don't have things in place, we can easily fall into anger and resentment. When limits aren't set, the repercussions might include financial difficulties, worry and stress, wasted time, all of which can have a detrimental impact on many aspects of your life. Elizabeth Earnshaw, a marriage therapist, provided some excellent information on many forms of boundaries. And when you're completing this activity, one of the first things that you should do to ask yourself why these boundaries are essential to you. It's critical to have open and honest discussions about the boundaries that you're establishing and to always respect the boundaries of others. You know, boundaries come in a variety of shapes and sizes, right? The first one is time boundaries. This is understanding the value of your time and setting aside enough time because your time is valuable. The next one is emotional boundaries. Now this is respecting and valuing the feelings and energies of others. That's an example of emotional boundaries recognizing others' feelings and ensuring that you respect their ability to process the emotional information that you're giving. The next one is intellectual boundaries. This is when we appreciate others' ideas and respect them rather than shutting those ideas down. Just be receptive to their suggestions. Then there is material boundaries. This is the concept of treating our goods and belongings with respect. You know, how do you want your belongings to be handled? 
in your home, your car, or whatnot, clothes. Then there's the sexual boundaries. We always have to have respect, consent, and agreement. And they're certainly required in this domain as well. And the other one is physical boundaries. Our personal space is the touching inappropriate or unwelcomed. So I thought there were some excellent boundaries to start establishing. So to go along with the boundaries, there are some other suggestions. So we must really embrace the reality of the issue and stop deceiving ourselves. You know, begin to accept yourself and the notion that you don't have to be concerned about what other people think. Make a list of the things that you can do to start taking care of yourself. You know, what aspects of your own life can you begin to concentrate on? Start looking at your life and the patterns. Is there is there certain things in your life that you're tired of assisting others with too much? You're giving too much. Is it possible to schedule a weekly self-care routine? Is it possible to contribute less in one aspect of your life? You know? Is this situation serving your greater good? And don't look for the what, but start questioning the why and why you're practicing these behaviors, such as that neediness, the clinginess, and control. Get a clear picture of the related patterns. And, you know, it's really important to remove those harmful and dysfunctional voices from why those patterns were established in the first place. Like I said, most times childhood. Determine how you can have a positive effect on an unhealthy relationship in a healthy way. Stop trying to please everyone. Learn to say no without feeling guilty. And regardless of your partner's mood, be content with your own life. Be happy. Have self-compassion. That's really important to practice. And we have to stop deceiving ourselves that we have the power to change anyone because we don't. Put some distance between yourself and the situation. And seek professional help. Seek professional therapist for codependency. Sometimes that's much needed. NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, is also a fantastic way to break codependency habits. It creates interruptions in the subconscious mind and it replaces it with new ones. So that's just a solution you can consider as well if you're struggling. So here are some ideas that you can start establishing in your life to kind of work through codependency. It takes time and patience. And 
you know, if you want to work on the relationship, obviously both parties have to be on board to do that. But if you're trying to step away, then these tips might help you. We often stay far too long in thinking that that person's going to change or that we can change that person. And, you know, that's one thing that is so wrong. And I did that and it wasn't my place to expect that person to change. You know, I ignored certain things and I wasn't naive. I saw it, but I was, you know, like I talk about, I always see people the best version of them. Sometimes they don't see it in themselves and that can be something that gets me in trouble. I don't do that anymore. You know, it's it's really important for both parties to be fully healed to have a healthy relationship. And when we're trying to change people, we are doing them an injustice. You know, challenges are what change us. And that's what they need to learn. Just like we have to take accountability for ourselves in that relationship. We are not perfect. We were wrong as well. We were overgiving and overloving and overpleasing. But was it coming from the right place? We thought it was, but it really wasn't. You know, we were expecting a person to fulfill a need that we need to fill ourselves. And, yeah. So that's it, guys. That's all for tonight. I hope that this helped you with your question. And if any of you out there have any other struggles or you have a question or a topic you'd like me to speak on, then feel free to send it to consciouswisdomhealing at gmail.com and I will have a look and I'll talk about it. It's amazing how one person's question can help a lot of different people out there because we are all going through so many similar things. All right, my dear ones, be well, stay healthy. Tonight is the full moon. (laughs) It is so beautiful. So I hope that you get a nice view of that. All right, I will see you guys soon. Take care and...